The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Andy O'Donoghue is with us for Tech Thursday. And Andy, we're both Corkman, so when I heard you wanted to talk about the influencers, I thought you <laughs> wanted to talk about influencers, but it's actually de-influencers you want to talk about. Well, this is a remarkable sort of development, Matt. And the influencer is a, has become a common term. And I actually think it's a term they kind of rewarded themselves with some years ago. We see them on Twitter, on Instagram, a lot of fashion influences. And um, it's about sort of... Sorry, are these about- all sort of self, uh, self-appointed, self-important <laughs> people who think that they are influential as to the behaviour of others? Or do they actually become that because there are sheep out there? Well, the simple answer is yes to most of what you've just asked me there. And they do consider themselves very important. However, so do brands. And so brands partner with influencers to help them promote products. A a lot of fashion and beauty products get promoted by influencers who get paid. And of course, they're meant to tell us when they get paid to do this and talk about them as paid partnerships. So millions of dollars of products are sold online because somebody has posted a TikTok or an Instagram story that says, you know, this new makeup is absolutely incredible and um, you can't be without it. However, believe it or not, Matt, de-influencing has become a thing. And this is where um, and it's kind of started on TikTok where people are telling their followers which products aren't worth the money and in a way, almost urging them to resist consumerism and to stop buying blushers and mascara and other beauty products that they don't need. And incredibly, up to the last time I checked today, 160 million views of the hashtag de-influencing have happened on TikTok. Okay, but these influencers like to be paid. Will the de-influencers like to be paid and who do it? Well, that's a great question. And you wonder why. You wonder why. The first thing is they may benefit from advertising that happens in or around their content. So if it was on YouTube and an ad runs in the middle, um, they would receive, you know, a percentage and a good, decent percentage of revenue from that advertisement. However, I do wonder, Matt, if this could go a little bit like negative campaigning, as we see, say, in U.S. uh, political elections. And so if I don't if I say I don't like five types of makeup brush and I know someone who makes a sixth. If they pay me, can I diss the rest? And hopefully that won't happen. And will they have to tell us? I wonder. Okay, let's move on. Tell us why Elon Musk has brought in 80 engineers to boost his own tweets. Well, this is truly remarkable. And we know that Elon isn't particularly sensitive or soft-skinned. And um, during the Super Bowl, he tweeted his support for the Eagles. Now, President Biden had also tweeted his support for the Eagles, given, I think, where his wife is from. But Elon Musk's tweet was subsequently removed, deleted from the platform, and it had received nine million views. But Joe Biden's tweet had received 29 million impressions. And apparently people familiar with the matter say that Elon was livid and it kind of uh, it escalated very quickly, um, almost in the middle of the night, to anyone who wa- worked at Twitter who was online. 2.30 a.m., I think, on the Monday morning, Elon Musk's cousin, 
um, uh, James Musk got the team together and they were tasked with working on the algorithm that shows your tweets to an audience. And believe it or not, Matt, um, they inflated Elon Musk's tweets by a factor of a thousand, which meant that more than 90 percent of his audience would see his tweets. And he has an audience of 130 million people. So on Monday, loads of people were thinking, why is Elon all over my timeline? And it appears to be because he was annoyed at the president. But there are strange things happening on Twitter now. There's also on your Twitter feed, it's broken down into two legs, following and for you. Now, following is the people that I have chosen to follow because I'm interested in what they tweet. But this for you line when I switch back to it, or it, it puts itself up without me asking, has lots of accounts that I've actually no interest in. Yeah, and over time that should get better. And you can toggle the following or for you. And the for you is meant to show you content based on what Twitter thinks you like or what you th- what it thinks you might be interested in. However, there is some contention here that we... We, we shouldn't put ourselves into the echo chamber on Twitter. And so I wouldn't be surprised if in time or perhaps even now, Twitter are actually trying out um, the possibility of showing us content that might be contrarian or counter to stuff that we're interested in. They haven't got it right yet, but I think over time we might, you know, you should see your feed getting more relevant. But I do think it will be different to the old Twitter. Okay, tell us about the possibility of a foldable Apple phone. Well, this um, I, I spotted this patent on Tuesday. It was awarded um, in in the US by the patent office, and it was it describes a um, an electronic device where you can touch multiple parts. But the big thing is it's foldable. And so the diagram that was submitted as part of Apple's patent shows what is essentially a foldable phone. And so the foldable phone was, you know, back in the uh, in, in the 90s, it was it was a big deal. People liked them and we they got smaller and smaller. You know, people, you know, loved the size of them. However, they went away, but now people like Samsung with the Z with the uh, with the Z Flip Four are making phones that people really like because they're easy to carry. They're about two inches square. You can pop them in a top top pocket, and they have this screen that shows notifications on the front. And Apple, whilst they dominate the smartphone market, they have never led on sort of smartphone innovation. However, it does appear that they're catching up. But one of the questions that we might uh, see answered over the next year or so is that Apple may well decide to make a foldable iPad. And so that would be a very interesting development because they're giving people what might be a more sort of useful business computer in a foldable format. But I think Given the patent, it is sure to say that we will see a foldable iPhone. Thank you very much, Andy O'Donoghue, for joining us for Tech Thursday. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.